Welcome to Lesbians Who Write with Claire Lydon and T.B. Markinson. Conversations about writing and lesbian fiction. Join us as we draw back the curtain on the writer's life. Hello and welcome to episode 99 of Lesbians Who Write. This week we're looking at the final proof of your book, What Should You Look Out For? Joining me, your host Claire Lydon, is my co-host T.B. Markinson. Hello T.B., how are you today? Exhausted. But it is February 1st. <laughs> it's not as we're recording this, but by the time this comes out, it'll be February the 1st. So do you think that we'll be unexhausted by the time February the 1st comes out? Around. No. No. <laughs> no. No, I don't. But anywho, um, what have I what have I been up to? Um, I am in full launch mode for A Woman Trap, the latest installment of the Lizzie series. Even though I just did this in December with Kismet, I still am taken by surprise every time I launch a book by how time consuming they are. Oh my god. Oh my god. And I keep meaning to write down a helpful to do list so I'm more like cool calm collected no no not cool not calm not collected and i don't have a fucking to-do list so i am um trying to remember all the things i need to do like you know go to author central claim the book go to bookbub claim the book um you know all that stuff you have to do write the blog post write the launch emails so that's why i'm exhausted and then of course we have like the world falling apart all right, in uh, writing news, uh, Miranda McLeod and I are nearing the end of our co-write, which is exciting, but also a little sad. Um, I have to admit, I will miss the excuse for our, for calling first thing in the morning to chat about plot for the day. I will, I'm not afraid to admit that I've been really bored lately. I've been so bored these past, what, 10 plus months now? It was nice to have like that little like little bit of sunshine in the morning, but now I have to go back to just like working on my own. And so, um, yeah, are you getting bored? I'm really bored. Uh, yeah, I think everybody is. I think the world. Well, not everybody. If you're in Australia or New Zealand, you're just going about your daily lives, going down to the beach in the sunshine because that's what they do there. They don't work. They just go down to the beach and have a barbecue. Um, <laughs> hello, everybody in, New, in in Australia and New Zealand. <laughs> We're just jealous. This is this is what this is. Pure jealousy that your government is so fucking spectacular at, at dealing with COVID. Uh, they might not be spectacular in every single way if you're in Australia. In New Zealand, obviously, Jacinda is the best thing ever. But uh, yes, we're just jealous. Here in the UK and the US, uh, we're still uh, locked down. Um, no sign of ending anytime soon. Uh, so yeah, no, it is boring. I was speaking to a friend of mine the other day. She, her husband and her two kids all got COVID. They didn't get it bad. Sorry, you're looking at me. Everyone short. in the family got COVID. Yep. Well, they all live together. So she's no idea where she got it, you know, maybe just out shopping or something. And none of them were hit badly. Uh, you know, the the she had a headache. Her husband got a bit of a cough. Uh, the two kids didn't really get much. You know, obviously they had to isolate for 10 days because they got the positive COVID test. And she was saying that it's if you thought it was boring before, try having to self-isolate you can't go out uh, you can't leave your front door so they were getting through it by by doing different things to shake it up so when i spoke to her the other day she was getting a cake delivery mm. so maybe that's wow. a top tip shake up your weeks yeah. and plan some deliveries you know i tried to get some food delivered last night and then sad news like all my favorite places were either closed or and some are closed permanently it was very sad it was very sad night 
I'll have to look into getting maybe a cake delivered, but mm. I just, and I'm, when I say I'm bored, I'm, I'm not even like wanting to do like the big stuff. I'd look, sure, I'd love to go travel again. Traveling is one of the things I really like to do. But um, I can't even go to a friend's place and watch a movie. I can't have a movie night with friends. Like, I can't do the simple things. I can't go to my favorite restaurant. I can't get a pedicure. I can't get a massage. And I des- I'm in a desperate need of a massage. My shoulders are so tight. Mm. I just feel like my shoulders are turning inward. Mm. <laughs> Yes, uh, no, I, I absolutely agree. It is the little things I'm missing. Going to restaurants, going to pubs. Uh, luckily, I did actually get to go to my physio last week or the week before. So, because uh, physios are still open in the UK. I can't get a massage because I did try and book a massage. They're not open. But I went to my physio and because he had so much time, he gave me like a 50 minute physio appointment for a 30 minute charge. So I got a bit of massage. <laughs> Slipped under the radar. <laughs> wow. Wow, I think that's breaking the rules, and um, I'm hoping the COVID police go after you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's what I've been doing on this end. I'm losing my mind launching another Lizzie book, um, nearing the end of the co-write with Miranda, and I'm bored. Okay. How are things over there? Can I ask, uh, how long has your co-write with Miranda taken? Uh, because I know you said the last time we spoke that you were in the middle of it. I suppose you're writing, t- uh, there's two of you writing, so you're writing double speed, right? I forget these things. I have done it before. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember how many weeks we've been going. Again, every day is the same, so I don't know. But yeah, it's like, it's kind of like what what we did with One Golden Summer. It's going quickly, obviously, because, you know, you have two two brains at it. Well, let's say one and a half. We'll count mine as half. So over here, um, it is the week after, uh, I just launched Hot London Nights last week and I'm really, really thrilled uh, that it is out. Uh, we are recording this early, so it's not out as we record this, but I know I'll be really thrilled that it's out because I can feel it in my in my very bones, TB. Well, congratulations on getting a book out during these difficult times. It's not easy and our brains do freeze up more normally. <laughs> but as you said, yeah, doing all the launch stuff is, um, it does take it out of you. And I do, I do actually have a checklist, but I don't think I've got everything I need to do on it. And the thing is, I don't check it often enough. So I've got a checklist, but I don't check it. So you can have a checklist, but it might not help you. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> It doesn't relieve the stress. (laughs) No. Um, I'm also, I think I did mention last time around, I'm doing a course on secondary plot lines, uh, which I'm quite enjoying. Um, This is a course by Dean Wesley Smith here at WMG Publishing, who I've uh, told you about before. Um, Throughout lockdown, since since we all went into um, COVID emergency lockdowns, like from like last spring, WMG has been doing half price courses and they're good because you can do them at your leisure. Now I did buy one last time around at the half price sale. I didn't do it, so I put it on my calendar uh, this time around. So the way, to, if you want to get something done, put it on your calendar, and then you'll do it. So every Monday morning, I'm starting off with um, one one week, and it's a six week course. I'm two weeks into it now, and uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it. And it, while I don't, some of the things I know, but I always pick up a few golden nuggets from their courses. So I'm very prepared to do it. And if nothing else, it just it makes you think about story and the craft of it. So that's good. Are you still going to do, now that you've started this craft course, because I think what your uh, celebration your or your gift to yourself after you published Hot London Nights was to do advertising with Mark Dawson, are you still doing that? I am, yes, it's on my calendar. You're still shit at doing uh, gifts to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I should say as well uh, that, you know, there, there may well have been seafood and champagne consumed after the book launch. Mine was steak. There you go, you yeah, see, that's, surf and that's, turf. That's usually my, my victory... 
Victory Lab includes going hiking and then having steak. Okay. I have also outlined uh, London 8, so um, hopefully, hopefully, my point of view issues are gone. Be gone, point of view issues, and I'll be able to uh, get down to it. And I have, um, I think you said last time, I have made my editing deadline intentionally long this time because uh, it's going to be slightly historical, this one. And so I've got a lot of more research to do. So I'm giving myself time. But if I get it done earlier, great. But if I don't, you know, I've got a deadline. I was thinking initially, maybe I shouldn't give myself a deadline. I don't want to, I don't want to stress myself out. But then I realised that by not giving myself a deadline, I won't do what I should be doing. So, uh, so, <laughs> so swings and roundabouts, isn't it? I don't want to stress myself out, but you've got to have something to aim for. Otherwise you won't get it done. Deadlines are a writer's best friend. Yeah. Um, and the good thing is that I did ask my editor if she could do it two weeks before she said that she could, but she couldn't because she was booked up. So she said, I can do you two weeks after. And I thought, well, that's great. That gives me another two weeks. And I'm going to still have it on my calendars to finish it two weeks earlier. And then it builds in a two week buffer zone. <laughs> I'm wondering how that works. Cause I used to, when I had like a, a, a day job where I had to be in the office, I used to set my alarm or my, my uh, clock fast. So like I would have an extra five minutes, but then my brain, knew I had an extra five minutes so it never worked I'll let you know I'll let you know so it's <laughs> it's in the future I can't say I can't predict it I'm, I'm you know already obviously in my mind I'm like that's never gonna work Claire but it will it bloody will another great reason to celebrate uh, this week you know last week I was talking about that all the plants I've killed the thing is no listeners wrote in with tips for keeping plants alive and there comes a time where you just have to put the plants out of their misery but Happy things have happened this week as well. So, did I tell you that there was a tea cake shortage in Iceland? Is this because of Brexit? Uh, I don't think so, because I can't imagine these tea cakes are that, you know, fancy dar that they come from Paris or something. I mean, they're, they're not <laughs> they're not all cuisine, do you know what I mean? Uh, but there was a shelf. It was empty for a long time. Now tea cakes are back in Iceland. So rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. This was a rejoicing moment this week. So life is going sort of back to normal. Sort of, sort of. Uh, we're still having post office issues though as well. I don't know if you're still having post office issues in the US, I know you were, but everything is taking so long. And when I posted things for Christmas, before Christmas, for people's Christmas gifts, there was at least two weeks uh, to go. So I did warn them that it might not get there in time for Christmas. Thing, something took six weeks to get to the US and uh, a reader contacted me and said, you know, I paid for it. And I said, well, I, I sent it. And I was gonna then send her another one because I felt bad. Uh, but it turned up, but it turned up six weeks it took to get to the US. Yvonne's friend sent her a card, a Christmas card from Hong Kong. It took two months from Hong Kong. So I think maybe COVID is taking its toll everywhere. Yeah, um, I have actually books I need to post, but I am waiting a bit to put them in the mail because obviously our, our numbers are very high, but also I've, I've just contacted people and say, you know, you're gonna get them. This is gonna be, you know, take time. And they've been very nice because I had such a terrible time last year. Like I sent so many books out that were just lost or damaged. And I had to keep resending them, and um, so now I'm hoping, I'm hoping uh, things start working out. But I don't know. But yeah, I think everywhere, I think everyone, everyone is just. It's just been a long time since anything's been normal, and I think it's all hitting us. <laughs> yes, but I think post office issues. I think every author I've ever spoken to over the last year has just had so many issues sending books to readers. So um, yeah. If you've been affected, uh, apologies. But yeah, it's 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 so many things are out of our control at the moment. Finally, this week we finished The Crown on Netflix. 
Um, so all four series. Are you impressed? We, uh, my wife and I, we're really bad at sticking with the series. We normally lose interest after about two. We did lose interest. We stopped watching it for about a year. We stopped, restarted and finished it. So uh, I've watched a historical period drama TV and I really enjoyed it. Now, how did you like season four? Because I've been hearing uproar about it. I haven't been watching any of The Crown, but I've been hearing an uproar about season four. Are you, as a uh, British person, upset by how they handled season four? I'm not upset by it, no. Um, I think I didn't really enjoy it as much as the first three seasons, mainly because I lived through it. So I knew what kind of what happened. Whereas the first two series especially, I, didn't, I wasn't alive, or I was very small. I can't remember when it ended. So I... I didn't know a lot of the stuff that happened, so I found it interesting from a historical point of view, as well as I thought it was brilliantly acted and looked fantastic and well-written and all that. So, whereas season three and four, I remembered a bit of season three, and then season four, the Charles and Diana thing, it's kind of like, I don't like, right, watching autobiographical movies where I know what the ending is, because there's no surprise. I'm not interested in autobiographical movies. Um, unless I don't know what happened. Like, I watched, uh, what was that one about RBG in The Something of Sex? The interest was, no. You know, the funny, I just recently watched this and the title is escaping me. Yes, well, basically the Ruth Bader Ging, uh, Ginsburg autobiographical movie, which was fantastic. Um, and I didn't, I, I never really heard of her, I have to admit, because yeah, she's not, she wasn't a huge, uh, hugely known over here. And... I didn't know her story and I went to the movies to see that and I loved it because I didn't know her and I didn't know how it ended. You know, I thought her husband was going to die halfway through and it, he lived on to a ripe old age, so marvellous. Uh, <laughs> so I, I didn't know how it ended, uh, so I loved it. But I know how Charles and Diane ends, so I don't love series four as much, I have to say. Okay, I haven't started it yet, but um, I'm one that likes to let things finish before I start something and I don't, are they doing more series? I imagine they would be, but I haven't. I'm not sure. You killed a little piece of me when you said you don't enjoy autobiographical stories. Um, a little piece of me died. <laughs> I like what to. Fuck? I like to do that every episode. To me, <laughs> feels like I do. We're nearing episode 100. If we get to like 250, there might be nothing left of me. <laughs> <laughs> she'll be in pieces on the floor, and she'll be going, "Why are we friends?" Because, you know, we do, like, completely opposite things. But it's fine. We really do. <laughs> so I would say, have you got any recommendations for what to watch next? Uh, but I'm not going to ask you that. If, uh, if, if you've got any recommendations, if you're listening and you're thinking, I like, I like a rom-com. Uh, I loved The Crown. I, I like a really well-made series. I love The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. So anything like that. Okay. Yeah, you don't want to watch like the Pacific about World War Two. No World War Two movies here, thank you. <laughs> what about ones that star Winston Churchill? I watched quite a few of those. Well, the no. cra- the Crown's got Winston Churchill in quite heavily in the first series, so you're gonna love the first series. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Maybe I'll start. Maybe I'll start. <laughs> All right. Uh, comments coming on to what you got. All right, first up, we have a comment from Angela. Angela loves the podcast. Um, Angela is not a writer, just a lesbian who enjoys listening to the to us. So thank you very much for listening, Angela. We, we welcome lesbians who like listening, don't we? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Actually, we like anyone. Yes, we do. Anyone who listens to us. We're not picky. <laughs> lesbians or not. God, <laughs> I'm not being exclusive, everyone. So um, we also got a comment from uh, Yana, who has been listening to a podcast and just started watching The Mandalorian. Uh, I can't remember what episode I mentioned The Mandalorian, 
But Yana agrees with me that Baby Yoda is absolutely adorable. And Yana also says, listening to the podcast always makes uh, the day better. So go, Baby Yoda. I can't believe you haven't watched this. I mean, this is the most adorable thing. I actually asked for Christmas if I could have a real-life Baby Yoda. But then I got, I was, I was like, who would win the battle? Baby Yoda, Lady Grey, but Baby Yoda is a Jedi, so it wouldn't be a fair contest. I know you just—I know you just said some words, but I don't really understand them. But sure, if that's what you think. I wanted—I want a real baby Yoda. He's so cute. Okay, okay, good for you. So the yeah, comments on your side. I've got one uh, from Lucy. She says, "Many thanks to both of us for entertaining her with our books and banter on lesbians who write. You made—we made her laugh in a year that has been poo. So we—I enjoyed that." the way Lucy phrased that. It has been a poo year, so we're glad that we could make you laugh. So pooey. Yeah, big pile of poo. <laughs> All right, let's move on from poo. Um, two final book proofs what to look for. Now, I didn't know that TB was going to be launching a book uh, the week before me, uh, so this has proved a timely topic hasn't it? And also a timely topic because as I said on the last episode I had huge printing issues <laughs> uh, printing out my my latest book uh, for, the, for the final proof. So um, buy a printer, that's my first top tip. Don't do what I did and just keep going to the library because one day there'll be a giant pandemic, the libraries will be shut and you'll be fucked. Sorry that just broke me, I don't know what to say. <laughs> it came out like, felt like you were doing like peak poetry. I'm picturing you like a cigarette dangling through your mouth. I can come up with some great beat poetry as well, if you like. Well, let's do another one. Go for it. I did have one, right, the other day. I did an, uh, uh, an Ask Me Anything on uh, Instagram. One of my Instagram followers asked me to write a four-line poem about my morning walk because I was walking along the Thames while I was uh, asking people to ask me anything. So would you like to hear the four-line poem I wrote? I would. And can you do it like you're doing beat poetry like do the enunciation and all that that would be awesome no there was a romance writer called claire who loved her daily fix of fresh air she skipped down the river before rustling words to deliver sapphic stories but not one starring share <laughs> are you gonna like clap it on your website i should right i think that should be like on your front page of your website <laughs> What's that like to be clear lighted? Really gives a good picture of what it's like in your head. My friend applauded me for including chair in the in the in the four liner. You know, I thought it was good. Anyway, let's get back to the topic at hand, right? Final book proofs <laughs> by a printer. What else you got, TV? Is there anything else to say? Wait, you keep saying book proofs, but I thought you said the final stages of a book edit. Did I? Hmm. Okay, so well, you 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 got the final stages of a book a book edit. Book proofs are a big part of that, right? So uh... yeah. Well, you're gonna love what I'm gonna say next, and it's actually in my script, and now it's even funnier because um, I was on the wrong topic completely. But honestly, when I read this uh, was today's topic for the podcast, I was like, what the fuck does this mean? I know it's not very shocking for our uh, listeners who have stuck with us forever because um, I'm usually the befuddled one. So I'm sure a lot of people are like, oh, that's just typical. But I intentionally didn't ask you what you meant because I like it when we do come at the question from a completely different angle. And this time we're actually doing different topics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're linked, so it's fine. I'm going to go on this and it's probably the wrong track. But I started to think about 
what goes through my mind after the critique stage and when I'm prepping the book to send it off for the proofread. One of the things I am constantly looking for is the repeated actions and the repeated words. You look confused. No, 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 no. this is just my natural okay. look. Yeah. Your natural confused. Okay. Obviously, I don't always catch them, and this is why this is why I really hate audio-proofing my own books. <laughs> because when I do catch them in audio, because it's much easier to catch it in audio, I start screaming at myself, like, what were you thinking? How hard is this? You do this for a living. Why do you keep fucking doing this? Do you scream at yourself when you listen to audio? I, I try not to listen to audio. It's like when you said that you were going to, you know, do the audio book of One Golden Summer. I was like, brilliant. You know, I, I, obviously I do have to listen to my own audio books, although I did get my wife to audio proof uh, the last two. And so I don't have to actually listen to them. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes that, I mean, oftentimes actually, they're great because we employ professional narrators and they do a really good job. I just don't like listening back to them. Sometimes I'm really quite surprised and I'm like, oh, I wrote that. It's not bad. Uh, there are moments like that, but quite often, yeah, uh, you just think, that's the same fucking word into in the same sentence. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. But there are the times where I uh, listen to a sentence and I'm like, hold on, did I write that? That <laughs> yeah. was pretty brilliant. So I try to, uh, that's one of my things on my checklist before I send it off for the proofread. I also try to look out for, I, this is going to shock you, Claire. Are you ready to be shocked? Mm-hmm. I'm a word nerd. No. I know. You never knew this about me, did you? I love the $10 words. I love big words. I love learning words. I remember, ever since I can remember, I used to I used to buy, actually, just, like, books on vocabulary. And I used to study it every day. I still have those books on my shelf. I love words. So this is one of the other things. So I have to try to get rid of repeated actions and repeated words. But I have, also have to go through and zap all my really fancy words. Because um, those kind of things, like, they can they can knock some people out of the story when they come across a word. Every once in a while, I'll slip one in and it'll become part of the actual story. I have another problem with vocabulary. Since I am an American who lived in London and then Dublin, I've picked up words that aren't normal for Americans to hear, and I write American stories. So I have to go through and um, try to find all of the ones that aren't in there and I, I drives my editor bonkers because you know she'll be like no this is this isn't American and then I have to ask her like well what is the American term now I can't remember what it is so I have to look look out for those one of the final things I'm doing before I send it off for the proofread obviously is I want to close the loops on all the major plot points if it's a series book you don't have to close everything because you can let some linger over to the next book in the series a standalone you have to close all the boxes so I'm looking for that and also, I was watching recently, have you watched the uh, miniseries on Bob Fosse and Gwen Verdun? Uh, no, I don't know who they are. Bob Fosse, um, he was the one who directed uh, the musical Chicago and some other very famous ones. And she is um, a Broadway star. Okay. They were married. They had a very um, not great marriage. I tried to watch this after I got banned from watching The Pacific. Because I was like, oh, musicals, this will be light and fun and... um. Then it was like not because they had terrible lives, so it didn't help my mood. But anyways, um, it was there was this one scene in it that was interesting because um, since you know he was a director and he also did writing and everything, he was writing a movie about a main character that was kind of based on him, and his belief is in life people don't change, 
And so he's trying to write this movie, and he's talking to his friend who's a playwright, and he's like, do you know what's wrong with your movie? And he's like, what? And he's like, your character doesn't fucking change. Your ending sucks. And he's like, well, people don't change. And he's like, yeah, that's true, but you can't do that in a story. Your character has to fucking change. And I think you mentioned last episode, which we just recorded, and now I can't remember your wording, but saying that part of the arc of a romance is the readers want to see your character grow. Yes. And so he was trying to not do that and the movie was failing because of that so you have to make sure you're actually you have your arc going so those are some of the things that i am ticking off as i am prepping the book how about you um so as i said i have gone through this process uh twice in the last two months deep joy uh as has tb and as we do say the launch process no matter how many times you've done it it's very involved and a bit stressful I do have a book production t- uh, checklist that I tick off uh, sometimes. But this time I round, I was... We have come at this from slightly different angles, I have to say. But that's not a bad thing because it's all around the same topic, right? So I was thinking more about specifically the final print proof, um, which you should always do, even if it's the 10th time you've read it and you're really, really bored of the story. The very last thing you should do is to print it off and read it. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So before you do your final proof, and probably, like you said, just before, maybe like, you know, maybe you're on draft four, three or four, check your chapter endings and make sure that readers want to turn the page. And also, chapters and chapter airings are varied. Now, I had this in my Christmas book that I just uh, brought out. In about draft three or four, when I was going through, uh, I noticed that one of the characters, or maybe there were about two or three chapters where characters woke up in bed at the beginning of chapters and it was noticeable like you know when I went through and checked all the beginning of chapters I was like oh so I had to go through and change those up slightly it wasn't even necessarily after sex scenes it was just like them waking up and thinking about what happened so clearly this is a scene that I like to write but you've got to be you will know the scenes that you like to write and then you've got to be aware of them and don't say I don't, I don't think I've ever done that before in a book written written <laughs> where characters wake up in bed thinking oh what a lovely morning uh, but yeah so I had to change two of them um, so just be aware of that and every chapter you go through as well check their pacing so someone gave me the advice once that one chapter should be a- action oriented and then one can be slightly less um, now it's not a hard and fast rule but because every chapter needs movement that's a given even if you're in a kitchen or in a shop or just you've got to make your characters move and do things but remember it's it's something that's always stuck with me that every other chapter should have a slightly greater movement and location uh, than the last one so just so that your story chops and changes and the pace keeps moving tb's yeah. tb's nodding so she agrees with me that's good but then when you've got uh when your book's gone off to the proofreader and then it comes back and you've and you might you might have given it to some uh early reading team your early reading team so you've, you've done all the corrections you've given it out to your early reading team that's when i get my printer i try and make it print the book sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't uh, and then i get the uh print proof and sit down and read it now the reason for this is because if you change the format of what you're reading you see different things so for instance, when I edit my, when I go through and edit my first draft, I do it on a, on screen, and then when I do my th- third second draft, I do it on my Kindle. So I change up um, the way I'm reading the book, 
and you always see so much more. I come away from that second edit with about 500 notes at least easily and then uh, I send it to my editor and then when it comes back then if you if you then take it from the screen print it out read it on paper you pick up so much more stuff when you print it out it's incredible and it really is even if it's gone through your editor and you proofread it by then you'll still you'll still pick up errors because one person can't fix everything they won't see everything but printing it out is really key the other really big thing that you could do you probably should do this before you do the print proof is read it out read it aloud I have done this for one of my books it's a really brilliant brilliant way of checking that all your chapters uh, work and especially your dialogue but it's so time intensive and I actually almost buggered my voice doing it so <laughs> I don't tend to do it but give it a go because it does actually really change how you how you see the book yeah absolutely and especially I don't I mean I know I'm supposed to read the book out loud word for word but um that's really difficult and I applaud narrators who do this for a living but if you're having <clears throat> excuse me if you're having a difficult scene or a different difficult um time with dialogue do read it out loud because you will start catching things um, so if there's certain sections that you knew were troublesome, take the time and do read it out loud. I do that with certain sections. I don't read every single word like I should, which is why when I'm listening to the audiobook, I'm screaming at myself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yes, definitely. Uh, if, if, you're, if you're trying to think of dialogue, say it out loud. Even if you're out in a cafe. Remember those days when you can go to a cafe? But you can still say it under your breath. Say it, uh, say it out loud. It really does make a difference to do that. So print out the book and then read it cover to cover. I'm talking everything. The copyright page. Is the year right? Is the ISBN right? Quite often I forget those things. Right through to the acknowledgements and the also buyers and every single word of your paragraph. Uh, sorry, of your book. And you'll be amazed. You'll find sentences that don't flow. You'll find paragraphs that you can rip out. Uh, you can you'll find missing words typos but it's at this stage and I think I learned this when I used to work on magazines when I used to get uh, articles from journalists I used to print them out and read them as a word document and then I would take it onto the page uh, get it laid out and then edit it but then the final thing would always be to print it off and I learned the importance of that and what you see when you print it off and, and read it in a different format it's so important and a lot of people I think skip this stage because I read a lot of books and I see that things probably would have been picked up. So don't skip this stage. Now, when you printed the magazine, was it like all glossy and colourful? No, actually, no. It was in black and white. And I remember, I remember sometimes thinking, maybe, maybe we could just skip this one for this for this particular page. You know, like the letters page. It wasn't like the 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 main feature. Maybe we could just skip proofing the letters page. But no, because somebody has paid for that magazine, and also somebody would have paid for your book. So. You, you owe it to them, and you owe it to your readers, and you owe it to yourself to, to give them the best thing possible. Yes. I used to work in newspapers, and I did the layout, and it was um, always painful because I wasn't in the process. I wasn't the one who, the final, I didn't do the flow at the end. So it was always painful when there was an ad next to a, um article that just was, like, not good placement. Like, it was about, like, an exercise equipment, and it was about someone who died, like, running or something. So it was very, where I was just like, oh, damn it. These things you cannot control. Luckily, we don't have adverts in our books yet. No, no one's died from running. <laughs> no. <laughs> and no one really runs very much in my books. Occasionally they do, but they always find it hard. I don't know where I get my inspiration from. Have you got anything else to say to the... I'm you ready. <laughs> have you got... <laughs> I, I was quite a good runner, actually, up until, you know, last year. Now I'm, now I'm not a runner anymore. 
easy to fall out of, out of the habit. Have you got anything else uh, to add on the final proof stages? Funny that you mentioned that because um, after I uh, printed off my uh, script for today, so I could read it, um, I added something in red ink. So I did add a final thing. The last thing, the last thing I have to remind myself before I send it off to be proofread is that no story is perfect. You just have to learn when to let it go. Usually this is when your deadline is. But um, the more you write and publish, the better you become at uh, determining when it's good to let go. But you're never going to nail every single sentence. You're never going to nail every single word. Everything can always be improved. But if you keep doing that, you will never publish a book in your life. Yes, and uh, that is a fantastic thing to actually highlight and bring up. And this this is for... I don't, I don't think any writer is ever satisfied with a book they put out. Anybody, uh, you know, through I'm I'm a member of um, the Romantic Novelists Association, uh, which is a UK-based uh, organisation for romantic writers, and they have a rainbow chapter. And the head of that is a author called Julie Cohen, who I'm a big fan of her work, and uh, she's sold millions of books. I was speaking to her about this, and she was just like, "I'm ne you're never happy with any book that you put out," and the book in your head was so much more sparkly than the one than the one that you managed to write in the end. Um, even though her book's fantastic. So, and you know, I always think that about my books that it, I could have done that better, could have been better. But then sometimes I read them back and I think, hey, that's not bad. Yes, you're very right. You have to have a deadline uh, and just do the best you can. That's the thing. So make sure you don't um, skip important stages of the final editing stages, right? Yeah, it's hard to get the sparkle on the page. It's very hard. It is. And I also suggest working with a team who um, you have confidence in and who are used to your odd quirks. Like my editor is used to my um, not using American words and the words I like to overuse and the actions I like to overuse. So it helps to have a solid team on your side as well. It definitely does. And uh, yeah, and not only editors, but also the early readers, uh, my art team are very good at picking up different things because you had, like I said, your editors and your proofreaders, they will not pick up everything. Uh, case in point, in Hot London Nights, <laughs> uh, I had a, character, a very, very minor, minor side character called Ricardo, but he changed his name to Roberto halfway through the book. That went through my cop. <laughs> that it's went. Close. Oh, it's close. I know, and that went through my copy editor and my proofreader. And neither of them picked it up, and it went to my early reading team, and they picked it up. There you go. I'm surprised you wasn't named Dave. You really like the name Dave. Were you <laughs> I, trying to really branch out this time? This book does not have a Dave in it. <gasps> there's not one Dave. No, there's a, there's a Ricardo, and that he turns into a Roberto. No, there's not anymore. I changed it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I remember when, I think it was one golden summer we were writing, I'm like, how many people are named Dave? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to steer away from Dave's, anyway. Well, um, do let us know what you think. Uh, do you have any final proof tips and tricks um, that you find that make your work that bit more successful? Or one thing I was going to ask, actually. do you, ha Have you ever used anything like Grammarly or Pro Writing Aid? Um, you know what? I <laughs> that you ask. I just recently used a pro writing aid just for an email I had to send out, and um, it was helpful. I mean, I wouldn't do it for like an actual novel without like you know an editor, but it would, it would might be something I would run through before I send it to the editor. Yeah, I wasn't really meaning um, for it to replace the editor, but I know uh, it's getting a lot of coverage. Pro writing aid, and I haven't used it, but I just wondered if you had. But again, I just tried it last week. There How you amazing that you. 
Like, you were, like, on some brainwave. You didn't know it, but we were connecting. We were. Wow. <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, so maybe uh, if you're if you are writing uh, your first book or your or or your fiftieth book, pray writing aid. I've heard good things about it. Haven't used it myself, but TB enjoyed it. Right, so let us know anyway. Uh, any of your tips, ways to get in touch? Email um, lesbianswhowrite at gmail .com. Go to the website and leave us a comment. Lesbianswhowrite.com Facebook us, Twitter us, Instagram me, and join us next week when we will be celebrating our 100 episode 100th no um, episode 100 <laughs> well we will we won't be tripping over episode 100 we'll be celebrating it we're going to be here with uh balloons and streamers and champagne should we get drunk for our uh 100th episode what do you think i'm trying to figure out where i can get balloons and um everything delivered because i can't go get it so now i'm like does like the party store deliver you know, I'll have to figure this out. Okay. I'll have to figure it out. All right. And I think uh, for our 100th episode, we're going to be talking about the difference between writing romances and writing romantic comedy. All right. Well, in the meantime, uh, take care. Have a great week. Keep writing. Bye, everybody. for listening to Lesbians Who Write. Listen in every week for more conversations on writing and lesbian fiction. And you can make sure you never miss an episode by signing up to our newsletter at lesbianswhowrite.com. Also, if you could take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast, it would help more people to discover us. Thanks so much and see you next time.